Do you know how many files your employees have uploaded, downloaded, emailed, airdropped, slacked, or shared via Google Drive today? A lot of that data has left your organization, and you don't even know it. Visit Code42.com to learn how Insider prevents data exfiltration. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 85 of Get Out of Rap. I'm joined by someone that I've come to call my Svengali, my Yoda. Uh, it's Lee Houghton of Get Knowledge. Hi, Lee. Uh, how are you, Martin? Thank you very much for that intro. And, and it, in fact, actually, congrats on, on episode 85. You've not aged a single bit in 85 episodes. I haven't. I haven't. You're being you're being very nice because I absolutely have. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I could have gone on with that introduction for far longer. Um, th- this year has been a year where I think we've spoken pretty much once a week. And it's the power of community, right? The power of something I know you're very passionate about, which is connection. I am very, and is today Thanksgiving? I know we're getting uh, a bit American, it, but yeah, it's a, it's around this. I've seen a few posts about it, so and that's what I, how I gauge what time yeah. it is. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm very thankful um, of the connection we made and the friendship we've um, established because you have been a font of knowledge all year um, for me and a real, real support. So thank you very much, mate. No, honestly, in fact, the, it, it's been completely two way, Martin. I, I, I've got so much from our relationships up. I can't, I can't wait to meet you in person. So I, I think when, when I hold on, I might not let go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a self-confessed hugger. And just to get this out of the way, it's been said to me a lot at conferences and things like that. I'm probably a lot shorter than you imagined because that I've had some people just can't get over that. They're like, you're much shorter than I, uh, than I envisaged you to be. And I was like, well, okay, I can't do much about that. I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah. So Something else we might have in common there, then. We, we oh, right. good hug, good hug and height, good. Yeah, bedrock, right, bedrock. Right. So, for the uninitiated, because this isn't your first time on the on the podcast, but for those that haven't um, gone through that episode or want a reminder, you, I I could wax lyrical about your expertise, but for um, the uninitiated, what is it that you do? Yeah, uh, thanks very much, Martin. So yeah, so Lee Horn, uh, co-founder of a company called Get Knowledge, and and primarily we help leaders and change professionals deliver change more successfully. I, I always think that um, like 20 years ago and 10, 10, 15 years ago, everybody was uh, searching for consultants who would tell them the answer, um, and they were giving them a business target that they needed to improve and, and, and focus on that. And then Five to ten years ago, that's when customer experience became became a thing, and people were focusing on on customer satisfaction. And then it was about now it's about like employee engagement and well being and things. And I think all of these things link. So you, you satisfy your employees, you deliver a great customer experience, and then you'll achieve your business targets. But fundamentally, I believe that it all comes down to leadership behaviors. So the environments that people work in are created, whether leaders believe it or not, by by themselves, by them, um, and those environments created from the from the thinking. So that's what we try to do. We try to help people think different, so they do different, and then achieve different. Primarily, um, so yeah, that's what that's what we do. Three years we've been going, and I absolutely love it. I love that. I love that. It's the power of leadership because I think anyone listening would have done exactly the same thing I did when you said that, and think about the environments where I thrived and the environments where I survived. The key denominator was um, 
how was the leader how was the leadership yeah. you know was was it one that encouraged me celebrated you know get, did found out about me and maximize strengths and all that kind of stuff or what or was it one where you could have had the best employee sort of well-being structure you could have had great benefits in fact i've I have worked in the past in places where every element was great from an external looking out, looking in of your pay and benefits, the building, the, the role itself, but the, it, it was actually not very enjoyable at all because of the, the culture determined by the leadership. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely um, topic. And I think it's one that, absolutely resonates with uh the the audience from get out of rap you know kind of in a in a contact center world how do you i think one of the things that people will say when you join contact centers is you better be used you better be okay with change now for you guys that get knowledge change and your expertise in that area um has have you seen that kind of has that increased in terms of people really wanting to understand it and how best to deliver it over the last few years? So um, if I just pick on what you said at the start, um, when you when you were uh, recapping what, what I just said, there was a study in America in 2018 that said that 65% of people would rather have a, um, a new boss than a pay rise. And, and I think I, I think that's a frightening, 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 frightening figure. And, yeah. And and because the the impact that our leaders have on us on a day to day basis is is fundamental. Um, we often view the culture of a business through how our leader treats us, um, as well or whatever layer of, and that's all the way up. So a lot of businesses have cultural um, change programs and things, but the the way that employees at every single layer will view it is through how the leader behaves and how and whether the leader. Um, actually changes um, over the last couple of years i mean we've been in a pandemic it's been a, a huge challenge because we people yeah. have been in survival mode um and and then now the appetite to change properly and so it was like changing through necessity for the for the first part of the pandemic where things needed to be quicker smarter better um, people needed to be on the phones and deal with different forms of different demands and, and stuff and then now there is an appetite to change again which for but doing it in the right way, which I think is, is a huge positive. But what people don't realise is, so it's, it's all signed off at the board level and, and the senior leaders, but they don't realise that they've got to change themselves. Um, it's it's for everybody is changed, not just the people who work on the process. And I think that's still a huge, huge gap because um, a lot of leaders, and, and I'll just, yeah, a lot of leaders think that whatever has got them to that position is what will make them successful going forward. Um, and and that's true with, with some because there are some really good leaders. Um, but I think there's nothing better for a change initiative than a leader changing, doing what they do to support the activity of, of everybody else. Um, so I'm not sure whether that answered your question. I, I kind of took on a little bit of a tangent with it, but I think there's everybody needs to change. And what you said as well, that everybody being comfortable or becoming more comfortable with change is is true. And I think it's it's so important, but everybody's different um, as well. In fact, actually, I posted on LinkedIn um, earlier this morning 
and I put a picture of them. Do you know them dot to dot things where mm. like you go from number one to number two, and then a picture miraculously appears. I think change is a lot like that. Sometimes you'll show a dot to dot picture to somebody, and and they'll be able to tell what that image is, what the what what the image is going to be. Some people might see something completely different than what the image might be. Some people need a first few dots joining, and some people need every single dot joining, and and we make a lot of assumptions with change and we go, right, okay, we want to get to here. This is our vision. This is our values. We, we want to achieve this. And that's like just putting a dot to dot picture up in front of some people will see it. Some people won't see it. And I think the more dots we can connect for everybody, recognizing that everybody will see it differently based on their experience, based on the, the, the lens of their leader is, um, is so, is, is so important. So important. I love that. I mean, that that. There was there's a lot there that you've just gone through that I was just vigorously uh, nodding. For those of you watching, you might notice I kept popping myself on mute. It's um, uh, Hugo, my ten week old puppy, is snoring so loud. <laughs> I'm really sorry if you if you it's, hear it. It's not my wheezing. It is the there's a puppy down down there. It's, it's um, the effect. It's the effect I have, Martin. Honestly, I can send, I send dogs to sleep. <laughs> I need more of you talking. Then, if that's the case, yeah. I, I, re- yeah. I really, I really do. But I loved, um, I love what you said about kind of leaders needing to change as well, because I think I couldn't agree more. One of the things I'd say is, I, I think having been or be a leader and being led, of course, like all of us, right, um, is by talking as long as people know that you're going through you're trying to change something for the better that could be about yourself or um the the environment around you people give you leeway people buy into that and allow you to um not be brilliant at it from the word go if you kind of like look i'm i'm trying to change this about myself in terms of how i how i deal um with you People go, okay, yeah, great, thanks. So that there's a bit of vulnerability there. I mean, this is really personal preference I'm talking about now. But if some, if if I've got a leader who's saying to me, I I've, I recognise that I've got to make an improvement or a change, I'm trying to do it, but I'm a bit clunky with it to start with. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm like, right, I'm backing you 100%. Don't worry, keep trying, keep trying. I think that's so so important um, for a whole host of reasons. One. From the personal aspect and the vulnerability and showing that everybody's human but we want to create environments where people feel comfortable to raise their hand and go i've made a mistake mm. the world fail the word failure has got negative connotations we need to it needs to be reframed it's positive because it's a learning opportunity not something that's bad and and if we always chastise people if we if we chastise people when we don't hit a target if when they make a mistake when they've struggling with something or whatever, and then they're never going to raise their hand and go, I've done something wrong, or I don't know how to do this. They'll muddle through with it. I always remember when I when I started my, my career as a, a data input person in the, in the public sector, I had a pile of work next to me that would just kept creeping up. It was all the difficult cases. I didn't have the confidence to um to tell people about because I in my head, I'm going, everybody else has had the same training as me. Nobody else is calling these things out. Why? they must be able to do these i'll um, i'll i'll stay behind one day or i'll i'll find a way to get rid of them in some other means and stuff and and that's not the environment we want to create we want to create an environment where people raise their hands say that they've made a mistake say that they need help and support and and then we can get through it together and i think 
when we talk about a leader doing something different, what you've just articulated there about demonstrating that vulnerability, that's what we want them to do. So then it, it makes it acceptable for other people to do it. I think it's it's so, so important. So important. I'm um, the one of the coaches of my stepdaughter's under 13 uh, football team. And um, we are on, we're on a particularly challenging run of results, let's say. Uh, <laughs> I've had the parents and even my other better half saying, please just win on Saturday. Um, but one of the one of the mantras that I think is really important for uh, the girls that I've shared with them is you win or you learn. And, and it's just, to again, to try and get them to understand, of course, that they want to win. It's a competitive game. Um, but th there is something around... <laughs> looking at the game or looking at their endeavor let's say and not just kind of because i think if you've won you you can often just overlook things that could actually make you better and enjoy the game even more when we've all collectively lost a game and we're able to learn from it and i think that's the the key thing that we we say to them in training is um let's learn from these two things that happened in the game and this and this and this and it's um let's hope let's hope saturday it works <laughs> but, <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed fingers but it crossed. is that it's that thing around um like martial arts is another one every even champions will tell you they're still learning and it's okay to have defeats far more in martial arts than it is in say boxing for example but um again there is this, always a process of learning and most learning comes from when they have failed yeah yeah completely completely you, you made me think of something some i've got six-year-old and an eight-year-old and they have a spelling test every friday and so some of the evenings during the week it's uh go on jack what what let's read the list out spell this for me spell that and then india spell this for me spell that for me um and and invariably they get some right they get some wrong and, and stuff and then i can guarantee they'll come home today and they might have got nine out of ten ten out of ten eight it's relevant what they've got and if they've got say nine out of ten um the, the the wife will will say which one did you get wrong and and i want them to think which nine did you get right and i think well yeah. it's, it's the balance isn't it between recognizing the the, the actually you've got 90 percent right here and, and rewarding and recognizing what's going well but then also spending a little bit of time on the on the one that's um that, that's wrong and and we focus so much in our working life on everything that's going wrong, not necessarily what's going right. And we want to have a balance between right and wrong, um, vulnerability, and and making creating this en this environment. So yeah, so I'm, I'm with you with the uh, with, with the girls' football team because there'll be a lot of that that goes right. They would have yeah. listened to you in training, mm. and they would they might have tried a pass that at this time didn't 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 pay off and might have scored a goal or whatever. Um, I think yeah, it's. Um, it's dealing with people in it it's um it's great do you know what what is it about human nature then that if you think about um contact centers uh, i would hazard a guess that they're up there for in industry terms in terms of most measures like kpis there's a million right and um to, at all levels so when i started on the phones 
I was amazed, like people talking to me about like rap, wrap up time, for example, but um, comfort breaks, how long I spoke, uh, quality score, absolutely everything. So, and this has kind of always been something that what is it when you're presented with a dashboard invariably at every level, when you come to talk about performance, you might have a dashboard that actually says, do you know what? And the balance scorecards, and I get it, in case people say, what, what are you talking about? Um, but why is it that it is human nature to focus on those areas where we haven't got the right result, where we haven't got, we've gone right? And that's often where some people will start. Yeah. So you present this great balanced view that says, oh, overall, you're doing a great job. Um, let's talk about the 35% of the areas that are not on target. Let's, let's, let's spend our, our hour together there and there alone. Why is yeah. that? So I think it comes down to what we were, what we're saying, right? So when I, when I said 15, 20 years ago, consultants would, would work on targets and measures and things. And that's what we believed is the way to improve is going measure everything and whatever gets measured, um, we can we can improve it because we can identify and stuff. And then we went a bit we went a bit softer, didn't we? We started looking at the output. We started looking at the customers and how the customers were feeling and their experience. Because and then trusting and crossing our fingers and hoping that that actually by delivering a great customer service, then the bottom line would improve. And then it's about the people. Um, but we, we we're in a transition, dependence on different organisations. Some are still measuring everything, and and some. Are now measuring far less. I think I watched something yesterday. Um, um, a guy who'd worked in Tesla, and and he says that in in the Tesla handbook, that's not a handbook. It, you can you can work on whatever process you want, as, as, and and all of it is really fluid and flexible. Um, and and they're just trusting that it, it'll happen, and and everybody's got access to Elon and all of that stuff. So it comes it comes down to I think um, because it's what we've always done. It comes down to a leader not having the confidence to to trust completely and that everybody will do the right thing. And our processes and systems don't necessarily make it easier to do the right thing as opposed to do the wrong thing. Um, I think ev everywhere is different, but I think a lot of it is to do with history, our experience, and, and how we believe that we should lead to get, get better. And we're all we're tasked with like doing things for cheaper and better and, and all of that stuff when if we just connected the dots mm -hmm. between employees leaders customers i'm a big believer that nobody comes to work to do a bad job we just don't necessarily help them do a good job and that's this dot to dot thing and the dot to dot picture should be a lot wider than it is sometimes we have a dot to dot picture that's just for our, our own individual team it's a different picture for maybe the sales department and they're both two completely different pictures and competing against each other when really they should be working towards one picture and joining the dots together and then building the customers and building the leaders and building the employees and building the other departments and the supply chain. Um, we're, we're at different stages of that with everybody, but I think to answer your, your actual question at the start, I think it's because that's what we've always done and we believe that if we measure it, then we can make it better. But I think we're measuring the wrong things. Um, because we don't trust enough. Would you say, I remember um, I took over some teams in a, a contact centre and this, this little incident led to me always being mindful of refreshing with your team what 
the KPR, KPIs are that you're looking at and measuring and talking about. Because if they don't galvanize progression, if they don't prompt some uh, positive interventions, what's the point in them? It, it's just busy work, busy numbers. Um, now, most call centers will have wall boards or TVs up on the, up on the side of the wall. And um, so I took over this team, it's big, big long floor, there's like three teams. And I thought I'll just walk through it and get to know the environment and speak to people. And as I was going through, um, there's some nice wall boards that were kind of showing on a loop, the team stats, right? So how we were doing, um, most, a lot of places and not, not most, but some places will have it it flashes because there's there's calls waiting and things like that but that but we didn't have that we just had uh pretty live but a set of results on a on a carousel going around and um went through the building sat with my team leaders and said what do you think about these then what and they were like oh yeah everyone and I, they were probably because i was new just thinking oh let's tell him Let's tell him the correct political answer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they went, oh, yeah, these are this system. It gets a feed from RMI. Everyone looks at it and takes action and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, can I, is, is it, can I do stuff on there? Can I update stuff? And they said, yeah, yeah, sure. Took me to this guy, showed me how to do it, got me this download. And then the next day, I just wrote the squirrels are coming in big letters. <laughs> and like that, that flashed up um, halfway through the this carousel of MI. And yeah. I just made it live, left it. No one said, no one said anything because that was part of the furniture. Yeah. You know, it, no one looked at that. You would have thought, I was just thinking, is someone going to come over and go, why is it talking about squirrels? What what's happened? Who are these squirrels? What's happening with these squirrels? Yeah. Um, and then I said Love to the that. team leaders, I said, we've got to use these better. We've got to make it fresh and we've got to keep reviewing what we're doing. And um, and I think that's the same with a lot of the numbers that are generated or a lot of the prompts that we get, or if if they're not doing any, if they're not galvanizing you to take some sort of action, don't choose something else don't use them yeah completely agree is that it comes down to the intent or the purpose of, of why we're doing it i was having a conversation in fact i said yeah i was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and they said that their senior managers they do like gemba walks so like they walk walk the process they go to the, the place where the work takes uh where the work happens and then they, they start speaking to people i said what why did they do it what prompts and what triggers they go oh well we're, we're i've got an improvement and operational excellence initiative that says that all leaders must walk the process and stuff. I said, yeah, but we need to try to understand what you want to try to get from it. Um, is it because a, something, a performance trigger has, has triggered it and there's a particular issue or challenge that they need to support down on the floor or not? And they went, oh, no, no, it's just a, a tick box. We, we said that they'll do 20 a month or whatever, every senior leader. And so, yes, yeah, so I think the intent is so important of what you're trying to achieve. Um, and and those visual management boards that you just mentioned there, I think, one of the one of the lean or one of the improvement things is about visual management but i think things have moved on though so yeah yes we need to exactly like you say is freshen it up and keep it real but we, we've got other senses as well so mm. what things do we hear 
What are the audible things that make us know whether things are going right and wrong? And how do, how do we feel um, as well? And I think if you ask everybody, have you had a good day today? They will give you different answers because everybody everybody's definition of a good day is different. And it might not be the same as the strategic direction and the annual plan and it's measures cascaded, which means you've got to answer every single call within X number or have it for X length of time or get a nine out of 10 on that. That might not be different for a good, a good day for other people. It might be, yeah, I've, I've helped people the best I can or yeah, I'm, I'm empowered to be able to do something. And I think only by asking everybody, what is a good day to you? Can you then point everybody into the same direction? So for one person, it might be helping as many people, but how can you get that person to then relate to the company in strategic direction? And I'm, I'm a big fan of personalization and you, can, you, you can't personalize everything. You can't make, get every employee to, to feed into everything or else it just becomes unmanageable. But there'll be certain themes that if you ask everybody on the, on the first line, go, what, what's a good day for you? And then group them together. And then next line, what's a good day for you? And group them together. Everybody will want to succeed. Nobody goes to work to do a bad job purposefully. And, and what is that purposefulness? And, and how can you make it point in the direction that we want everybody to, to travel? So yeah, I think, I think there's so much in it, but we try to treat everybody the same. And, and I guess not everybody is the same at all because everybody's got different experiences. I love that. I love that. And it, it, it... Hey, it's John. You want to look and feel your very best? Visit the team at Cool Contours. They are the number one cool sculpting provider in Virginia. Their award-winning team of certified cool sculpting elite and cool tone specialists work with you to create a fully customized treatment plan to achieve your dream body. Learn more at cool-contours.com. That's cool-contours.com. As ranked by Allergen in June 2021, cool sculpting elite is FDA cleared to visible fat bulges in nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling it kind of points me in the direction of um, don't make assumptions. So uh, we, or I ran a uh, outbound sales team for a while. And because I'd like, I liked this type of environment. This is what I created was, you know, it's very stereotypical, but it was high fives, lots of games, lots of fun, uh, quite loud. And um, we, the company I was in had access to like an uh, organizational psychologist who came in and took our team based on their sales results, sat down and did some in-depth interviews with high performers and low performers. And the high performers, the vast majority of them hated, (laughs) hated the high fives, the games, the public recognition Um, because they felt like it cheapened what they did as a profession. And what it led to us doing was create, like, you know, in trains, there's a, uh, well, I'm pretty sure they still do, have like a quiet zone. Yeah. So we created part of the call center that was a quiet zone. And for for those guys in there, it was, um, we tailored our, incentives the environment and how we interacted with them and celebrated success based on what they told us to your point a good day for them looked like come in do a great job get quietly recognized for it but more from the customer point of view 
that they didn't need like well done you've won a toy yeah um they didn't need a, a voucher it was just work with me as a professional talk to me about my progression um talk to me more scientifically about how i can get better still and you know just add a level of professionalism on there um don't get me wrong we still had like the wacky warehouse zone yeah. where people <laughs> did want to um, play games and, and turn everything like get, at the early part of gamification i'd say um but it was it was it stuck with me that did around like you've just said understand what a good day looks like for your for your team because you'll be surprised yeah i love that as well because my my mind has just gone if, if you created that environment where where you had like two or three separate and allowed people to come and sit wherever they wanted on a given day because something might have happened where actually i just want a quiet day today or i've got a lot of work to do today so i just want that quiet zone um or actually i want to have a bit of a laugh and a joke and i need i need people around me i think that that would be an amazing place to work if you give people that that ability to go and go, go and sit where there's um there's a book by um, a guy called Nigel Risner who calls himself the chief zookeeper. And we, we use this as a, there's like all sorts of disc profiling and, and, and stuff. Um, but we just, it's just nine questions that allows you to understand which, which animal you are. And, and I think this perfectly articulates what we're, what we're trying to talk about. There's four animals. There's an elephant, a monkey, a lion, and a dolphin. And at the start of every engagement, we give this nine question survey out and we, we let them, you're a monkey, by the way, Martin, I'm a monkey as well, which I think is partly why, why we get on so much. Because, so, so monkeys are creative, they're fun, it's all jazz hands and, and stuff like that. They like to have a bit of a laugh. Um, elephants are those people that are, are over-prepared for things. They'll take two pens and a notepad into everything. Um, and the, the monkey will be the person that's borrowing the pad and a piece of paper and a, and a pen from an elephant. Um, and then there's the, the lion who, who just wants the key bits of information now and just tell me what's important and then we'll move on. And then the dolphins are like, how, how are you feeling, Martin? Are you all right? And it's all about the people element of it. And we typically, we communicate in a way that's natural to ourselves and our own animal instinct. So typically I, I communicate like a monkey um, because I, but I've got I've to appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Well, this is recorded, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my favourite little clip. <laughs> <laughs> and, and typically we communicate to others like like we like to be communicated to ourselves. But we've got we've got to appreciate that actually we've got elephants in front of us, we've got monkeys in front of us, we've got dolphins in front of us, we've got lions in front of us, we've got hybrid people and all of these people in front of us. So we've got to give a little, little bit to everybody if you want to have a successful presentation. And it's exactly the same when you're leading a team. You will have people people that want to know all of the detail behind everything and the reasons you'll have people who just want to know what i need to do and when i need to do it you'll have people that want to have the um the wacky warehouse place and have a bit of a high five and a laugh and the odd joke and, and stuff and then you'll have people who go it's what about the people and what's the people element of it and i think by understanding whatever your cho chosen tool is to understand the makeup of your team um and then layering on that top of that what makes a good day and then doing something different yourself as a leader i think that's probably the place to start this whole change thing really it starts with yourself um and then starts with your ability to understand that everybody is an individual mm -hmm. i love that and it does it it kind of it now in my mind i've got this image of when you're communicating you're communicating to lots of different animals that need different things and it's like you say it's not just visual is it correct 
Yeah, it's not. It's about what they hear, the words that you use, and it's about how they feel. And we're trying to make everybody feel something. Um, it's the reason why I went on comedy courses. I believe comedians make you feel something far quicker than, than anybody else. And I think if you as a leader can make your people or help your people feel something towards the destination that you want to get to, it doesn't matter what metrics you use fundamentally, um, because you'll all be working and doing what you can to make today better than yesterday. And, and I'm not saying we ditch all measures at all. We do need to measure some things, um, but maybe just not as much as what we are measuring. Trust people a bit. I love that. You, you went on a comedy course. Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't show, does it? No, I've been on, I've been on two. Yeah. Oh, uh, two of 20. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, tell, um, tell me about that then. So um, it was a, it was a gift. Um, I've, I've always wanted to try my hand at stand-up um, because um, cause I, I like it and I, I want people to feel something. So I deliver change, as, as we said, and, and what we've spoke about, and I think comedians help you feel something far quicker and at this roller coaster and i wanted to see whether there was an art to it and there is a completely an art to it um it's not just about the 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 jokes and whether 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 you've got jokes it's like in fact um do you know, like a nativity play so it's like nearly christmas time um and children's nativity plays will be happening up and down the country and they are the worst singing the dodgiest outfits ropey storyline um all of that but at the end of it you'll turn around and look at the audience Floods of tears, yeah. rapturous rounds of applause. Um, that's the secret of comedy. That's the secret of people leadership. That's the secret of change because they've got a level of connection that's so, so strong that it doesn't matter about the material. It doesn't matter about the performance because the connection is so strong. And that's what the guy said to us at the start of the um, the comedy course. He said, what's the most important thing in comedy? And what, like, we all shouted, jokes. And he said, no, 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 that's material. That's the third most important thing. And when we when we lead people or change, we lead with our material. We lead with our tools, our techniques, our methodologies and stuff. And we shouldn't. He said, the second most important thing in comedy is your performance. He said, in comedy, there's only two lines. There's a setup and a punchline. And if you vary your attitude between the two, you'll make it easier for your audience to um, to know when to laugh. And, and it's like we just spoke about with the animal thing as well. Vary your performance dependent upon the animal that's in front of you, because that's that'll then resonate. The message will resonate with them. But so the most important thing in comedy um, is is connection. Um, and it is about understanding that actually there's people in front of you and how much of a connection have they got with you, how much of a connection have they got with the di direction and the destination. And it, to, to articulate the point, he said, um, he said, in fact, actually, Martin, who's your favourite comedian? Um, I'd say uh, one that I, I watched this TikTok about 50 times in a row yesterday. Uh, it's, the, it's a podcast called The Wolf and the Owl. Yeah. And it's Ramesh Ranganathan and... Uh, I don't know his surname, but his first name's Tommy. Uh, but I'll go Ramesh, I think. Yeah, perfect, right perfect. So if you went to watch Ramesh, right, so you just pay 25 quid out of your own pocket, um, you've got, like, seats at a Ramesh gig, and you turn up and you, you sat down, you and the missus sat there. Um, what are you thinking to yourself? It's going to be great. <laughs> yes, yeah, perfect, because you, because you know who he is. You yeah. know the type of material he's got. You, you know that he makes you laugh. Um, and so it is going to be great. And then if you went to a, like a comedy store where you've got like three or four comedians who you've never heard of, but it's in a comedy store, you sat next to your missus and uh, what are you thinking then before it starts? That's a really good one because actually it's apt. Um, where I play football, there's posters up of a, a comedy night 
And I think to answer your question, I'd be open-minded. And again, it's about not jumping to assumptions, but they had some pictures of the comedians and like a one-liner next to them. Yeah. And some of those were attributed to other comedians that you might know, like Johnny Vegas talked about these uh, two of the comedians. And um, already in my mind, I was thinking, well, I like, I like acts four and six. Yeah. Not so sure about, and I have no, and I've no idea. It's Correct. mental. Correct, because you've not got that level of connection. They're trying mm. to build connection with you by putting famous comedians who you might resonate and relate to to go. Actually, well, that guy's going to be funny because he said that about him. So they're trying to build connection. So if they build connection, then you're going to buy a ticket because they go, oh, Johnny Vegas. I love Johnny Vegas, and he's he's saying that these are brilliant. So I must like it. Um, it's like I went to watch. Um, a few years ago now at Chorley Little Theatre. Um, do you know that Ian 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 Sterling, the voice of Love Island? Yes. Um, and he came he came out onto stage and and I it was this was like a season one of Love Island. I didn't know who he was. I've and I've only started recently to uh, to know who he is. But anyway, so he came out and he said he said, Oh, I left I left Chorley train station. I walked down Market Street and I had uh, Greg's on this side and I had Argos on this side and stuff and uh, and then something funny happened and we all laughed. And but as he was telling the story, I was going, I I bloody know that street that he's walking down. I know I know exactly where he is. Oh, that's funny, that is, because that happened and, and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And then, then I watched a recording of him doing the same set at another place, and he used exactly the same joke, but he didn't talk about getting out at Charlie. He used, he talked about getting out at whatever other, where, where that one was as well, because in his opening thing, he was trying to build connection with the people that are in front of him by, by telling a joke about their town so that they were on the journey with him. And and that is so important in, in leading when leading people, when delivering change, when when everything that we're doing. That's why I wanted to learn about comedy. But and that's my big lesson from it actually, that it is all about connection. All about connection. Was it nerve wracking? <laughs> uh, learning about it, no. Uh, performing it, yes. So in fact, actually, I'll tell I'll tell you this. Um, so at the end of every every comedy um, course, you get to do a graduation gig in front of friends and family. Um, and also the friends and family of everybody else. So it's, it's a really friendly, supportive group. It's like a nativity play. So irrelevant yeah. of um, they know when they should laugh because you've just delivered a punchline and you've paused um, at, to accept the laughter. So they will laugh a, bit, a little bit easier, right? And uh, so I did my first two gigs and then I thought, right, I, I can do this proper. So I, I entered Beat the Frog at the Frog and Bucket in Manchester. People, people didn't laugh when I thought they was going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but that was another lesson about level of connection um, because none of them knew me. I didn't know any of them. Um, so it was just, a, I was just a, a balls and northern bloke testing out some material with an audience they didn't know and, and crossing his fingers and hoping that they find the same things. Um, and then I had a conversation with a comper straight after and we were having a little bit of a laugh and joke. And, and, and because he was like we were bantering with each other people laughed more at that than they did my actual my actual set <laughs> yeah because, because he knew the audience and and we could we could rift off each other a little bit so yeah it's um connection is key in everything that we do i think mine fair play to you though was it i i, I just feel nervous thinking about about that standing up in front i mean especially especially your crowd in manchester wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's a it, it i think it's always good to, to try new things i've not put my comedy um career to bed yet i do what i do want to give it a whirl uh, for just for just because i want 
I don't like not doing something proper and I feel like I've not done it proper yet. Um, I'd love, right, to do, um, so I do uh, quite a bit of speaking about change and, and stuff and um, different uh, different change thing, functions. And I want to try to write a, and we have saying just before we hit record, actually, I've written a, um, or rewritten the words to away in a manger, which is a bit of a parody of away in a manger, but for go away change manager, um, in my head and in a trolley accent, it fits perfectly. <laughs> and, um, and and I think I would love to to find a like a keynote speech that has a right balance of um, emotion and connection and and laughter and and a bit of a, a journey to take people on. I think that that would be amazing, and that's what that's what I'm working towards. That's what again, that's another reason why I wanted to do it. I love that. Well, you know, I was saying about that clip um, from that podcast that I saw on TikTok. Yeah. Um, I went into the because I just I was just watching it over and over and over again, and it was just making me laugh so much. But I then I went into the comments, and I was reassured that people had written, "I've watched this fifty times in a row." <laughs> You know, because again, it's that it is that um, it is that level of uh, connection, isn't it? I you could use a line from this poster that I really liked. One of the ones I can't remember her name though, so don't know how effective it is. But the line was really good, which is um, "Watch her now before she becomes famous." You know, and it was like basically saying she's really good. Yeah. Watch her now, and then you'll be able to say, "I I saw her." Uh, boundary park sports club um so you I, I can say that i knew you before you were famous do you know what i mean yeah 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 and i was thinking and i know you know you are famous it doesn't quite <laughs> work the same but <laughs> yeah legend in his own lunchtime yeah. as somebody said <laughs> yeah amazing yeah no no dead right dead right dead, would you ever what what's the fervent what what, have, what would you like to do that you've not done great question Just uh, actually feeling how nervous I felt then about what you said about because uh, I've done I've done speaking I did one last Tuesday yeah. and um, I've realised I'm best when I don't follow any kind of I, I don't follow if there's slides that I'm presenting I'm better if I don't know I, I can just get up there and talk and they're they're nice relevant background information. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first time I did it was at the British Library and I came off and I said to my colleagues, I went, oh, I thought that went well because loads of people were laughing. And one of one of my colleagues said, yeah, that, I'm not sure if that's the <laughs> that's not the right gauge. You know, yeah, it was funny, but I don't think you were you were booked or our company want you to necessarily just be funny. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I would like to give I'd certainly like to go on a course um, like that. And I think. Do you know what? It's I don't regret anything, and I hope the podcast helps with this. But I would love to have had this kind of um, desire to feel uncomfortable and to be new at stuff earlier on in my, both my career and my life. I don't get me wrong; I was very happy, but I kind of stuck to. I love football and just played football and went out with my friends and had I had a family young. But um, now it's kind of like right what can I do when I'm going to be brand new at it? Um, and that's that, I think it's the chasing feeling uncomfortable. So it's like doing this podcast and 
people say to me in fact i spoke to people this week and they were potential they they wanted to come on as guests but they were like oh i'd be so nervous you 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 and they would say you're not nervous obviously and i said no no i am and i think that's the kind of that addiction to feeling uncomfortable um so i would want to do that course i've got hundreds of things i would want to do i think that um the girls keep trying to get me to i've got a fear of heights and the girls keep saying that we need to do go ape and i've gone from going no to yeah we must we absolutely must yeah um, i'll don't go don't go on a day that i'm going because i'll be they'll have to call the fire brigade i'm going to be yeah. up a tree, <laughs> holding onto the tree crying for my mum so is, has there been a moment that has because now you like being uncomfortable and before you didn't like being uncomfortable what's is that something that you've learned or is there a trigger that's created that from a work point of view it was um working in istanbul going to um still quite not it, it was my first step into senior leadership um so i'd only just made the, the uh, into senior leadership and then it was but then it was in a completely different culture country language everything and um that was sink or swim every day because every day to start with at least was terrifying yeah. um fear of failure was massive uh massively started to doubt myself but then it, it it helped me master like a rodeo master that feeling of being uncomfortable and going okay like i can there's elements of this i can do i'm gonna hang on um and go what right when you're forced into it be you uncover how best to use your strengths i found first of all which was what, what what was I good at in that situation? I was good at managing to establish relationships with people that I couldn't even communicate with, um, and getting to like you say connection, right? Get it, connecting with people, and then after that, I think after that experience, which in the end was about two and a bit years, um, I never wanted to feel I never wanted to feel comfortable again. If that made sense, makes yeah. sense. A bit strange, yeah. but. No, no, I don't think I don't think it is. I, I, um, I don't know if I've told you this, but I used to DJ, and um, I always I remember like my, my very first gig. I was a eighteen-year-old lad. It was a girl's twenty-first birthday party. Died and gone to heaven, and all of this. And I, I, I was like, set me and my roadie was set up on stage, and we we had the speakers up and the and the, the CD players and everything, and and I played my intro music. And I'd gone through in my head everything I was going to say, blah, 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 welcome to, blah, blah, blah. And something happened. I had the microphone in my hand and I stood at the side of the stage and I hid behind the speaker to do my intro because I'd taken it so far. But then that final step, I couldn't do it. So I imagine then, like the people that was there watching going, is this a recorded introduction? <laughs> There's nobody on stage. I was going, but it, it was a shy 18-year-old lad hid behind. And I didn't want to feel like that again. Um, so then, my next one, I, I forced myself out because I thought, "Oh my God, this is this is horrendous. This is." Um, and like two or three songs into the the night, and then I was better on, um, and I could I could do it. And I think there is something in having that reason to try that thing new, so that there's a point where you kind of go and you can't turn back. Um, yeah. So yeah, you've, you've just sparked that memory you did when you. I love that though. Istanbul story. Istanbul story. 
I love that because it's that, and it does go right back to what we were talking about. Like, technically, you'd say that first one, you weren't happy with what you did, right? Yeah. So you didn't feel like you won, but you it galvanized you to next time step out and do yeah. it. Where you know, and that's just isn't that what it's all about? Is just kind of this progression but enjoying the journey enjoying the the process there is no end result there's no um you know even if we go back to to football we could win on saturday and then lose next saturday what it's really about is the connections the girls have with each other as teammates and enjoying enjoying football you know um or whatever whatever it is you're doing yeah i i i how or when will the Christmas single be available? <laughs> so between you and I, um, I am going to be recording it on Monday. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds very grand, doesn't it? Um, but it's just it's it's not it's me and a guy with a camera. Um, so yeah, and then fingers crossed by the four. So my next newsletter on LinkedIn, I'm hoping to have a link to YouTube for it. So um, ten. 10 days time ideally i would like to turn it around um but, but we'll see we'll see if not this if not this christmas definitely next christmas no it's got to be christmas number one well it, it, i mean it is very niche isn't it talking about uh, um a change manager parody to the tune of away in a manger it's a little bit niche i'm not sure whether there's a huge market for it but we'll give it a whirl <laughs> you couldn't get more niche if you tried no <laughs> <laughs> no no, it was, it, I, I told my business partner what I was doing and I sang it to him. And he, he, his first reaction, I was I was thinking he was going to say, oh, yeah, no, this is a great idea. Let's do it. His first reaction was, um, do you think you could get a, um, a uh, like a, a primary school choir to sing it? I was like, what, what was wrong with uh, what was wrong with my singing? Um, but yeah, so. Have you got so, a good uh, voice? No. <laughs> no, so it's going to be quite, it's, it, it's going to be quite tongue in cheek as opposed to. Uh, perfectly uh singing there's nothing i can do about my voice is there um but we'll see it we'll see how it goes this and this is why and you, now people must be able to understand this is why i like to talk to you every week <laughs> because it's just a magical mystery tour <laughs> of stuff helpful thought-provoking often silly stuff i mean i've i've I don't care if anyone else hasn't. Yeah, of course I do. But I've learned loads again. This is why Lee is my my sort of chorley Yoda. <laughs> Maybe that's what it'll say on my comedy poster. Uh, Martin Tees, the famous Martin Teasdale said, "My chorley Yoda." Yeah, my chorley Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, thanks very much because we've we've kind of done this just off off the cuff, but it's because you are a consummate pro. Um, you absolutely know your stuff, and um, I can't wait for the Christmas single. Yeah, no, Mr. T, it's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, like I said, to get to know you for all of these weeks and months, and uh, long may it continue. So, thank you for everything. No, thank you, buddy. See you soon. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. 